We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get started in today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports media. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, so all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Crystal Mills. Crystal is a veteran esports journalist. She started writing about games in 2010, and since then she was the editor in chief at Optic Intel for Optic Gaming. She also wrote for Esports Nation, The Score, Dual Shockers, The Loadout, and most recently, Esports Insider and Bazenga. She has spoken on various panels and podcasts and is the host of her own podcast, Power Level. She is now currently the VP of Content at Ritual Motion and is a Woman in Games Ambassador, where she recently won the Outstanding Individual Ambassador Award at the Woman in Games Global Awards 2020. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
My pleasure. So, you know, now we're going to discuss esports media a little. So similar to other areas of public interest, esports and competitive gaming has created its own press and media. There is include independently created ones such as Esports Observer and Esports Insider and Dot Esports and Daily Esports. And some are part of larger entertainment entities such as Washington Post Launcher. There are some that are game specific and others cover many competitive titles. Generally, these outlets post news stories, competition recaps and previews, information on any sponsorship activations, any investments, player transfer news, upcoming match predictions, match breakdowns, and really anything related to what's going on in the world of competitive gaming. Also, some outlets have even created personality-featured content or infotainment, such as podcasts and VODs, to really add another layer to the media outlet. So now we know about what's going on in the esports media world. Tell us about your previous esports experience. So how'd you get involved in the scene? Uh, So yeah, basically I started in 2010 and uh, I mean, I didn't really have much experience other than just being a gamer at the time. Um, But I also knew that I loved to write. So I built my own blog. I just started writing about games. And then from there, got introduced to Call of Duty Esports, which is where I fell in love with the industry and started covering that. Um, And that's when I really kind of realized that this is what I wanted to do. But of course, at the time, it wasn't the way it is now. It was just a hobby for many people. So I ended up finding some contacts in the industry, ended up working with Esports Nation, and it kind of spiraled from there. Awesome. So, you know, kind of discuss your role with Ritual Motion. So what is it? You know, what do they do and what do you do there? So Ritual Motion is an esports and gaming lifestyle brand that is more focused on health and wellness and generating the conversations that aren't necessarily talked about right now in the industry. Um, And as the vice president of content, I'm the one that kind of leads the charge as far as what we cover and the type of content that we produce. So all of our written content, uh, any podcasts and videos, that's kind of under my scope. Um, And I'm also the one that that kind of covers hiring the freelance writers and assigning content and creating our calendar. So it's kind of blanketed and and almost like an editor-in-chief position. Um, And that's kind of what we've we've been doing. I've I've been a part of the brand for about a month now, officially, and um, we're, we're growing tremendously. And I think that we're doing a really good job as far as generating these conversations about mental health and physical health and everything that kind of revolves around that. Absolutely. You know, I was kind of checking out the website a little bit and I noticed there's some, you know, health products. So was virtual motion like a platform? Is there like products that you're selling? You know, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, there is a pretty big e-commerce side. And I think that's where the brand kind of started. And we're just now getting to the point where content is going to be a major focus to kind of yeah, I think the the products are going to con- kind of supplement that, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, we we produce our own gaming skins, which are basically gloves that you can wear to help prevent pain. Um, things that are related to um, carpal tunnel, um, things like that. Uh, we also have blue light glasses, and we also have supplements um, like melatonin to kind of help promote a healthy sleep hygiene. And then we also have snack products that are healthy and easy to eat and aren't junk food. <laughs> so that kind of we've kind of taken what we have on that side of it. And then we're, we're taking a focus on positive health and wellness um, in, in our content as well. So it all kind of spirals back to each other. 
That makes sense. It's like, yeah, like these are really healthy products and hear why they're beneficial. And, you know, you're looking at a screen all day. So these lenses might help. Exactly. <laughs> right. I think that it's important because, you know, as especially recently and just in general, the conversation of health and wellness, whether it's mental or physical health and esports and gaming has really kind of come to front and center. You have all of these players talking about the burnout and, you know, just kind of the the mental and the kind of physical grind that it takes on them is just destroys them. And it's, you know, really kind of how teams and professionals are learning how to adapt to that. And how do we help these kids get in better shape? How do we prevent, you know, carpal tunnel and eye strains and some of these more prevalent injuries that some of the players are experiencing? Right. And I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because as an industry, like a, a lot of us started out just playing games as an after school hobby. And so you know, everything in moderation is what a lot of people try to live by. But when you have a career in esports, you can't really can't really acknowledge that. Like you have to put in the, the the time and the effort and it takes its toll. So we're hoping that our brand and our products and our content kind of help produce uh, that awareness that may not necessarily have been there before. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's going to be like the next stage of this is how do we kind of break the stereotype of, you know, drinking Madden, doing Doritos in the basement when like, when you look at these players, they really don't look like that. You know, most of them are, you know, very lean. I wouldn't say all of them are, you know, muscular athletic builds, but you know, most people to succeed at this level, you're sitting in front of your computer for, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day. Maybe you have to have this balance of, you know, healthy foods and exercise and stretching and, I really think a lot of the more prominent people have kind of embraced that. Yeah. And balance is the key word there. Like, especially if your career is in esports or even if it isn't and you're trying to make a career in esports, like it's, it's finding that balance and making the right decisions to stay healthy. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's definitely a hard thing, especially when you're just sitting there. It's a lot easier to you know, open a bag of chips than maybe, you know, have some fruit or something else <laughs> like that. But you know, I think that as you guys, you know, the scene is learning and, you know, professionals are really kind of seeing how better sleep, better wellness, vitamins, whatever it is, helps them do better, helps them perform better. And ultimately, that's the name of the game. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, taking care of yourself is going to help take care of your career. Exactly. You're not going to burn out if, you know, if you're so intense and you're not getting sleep and your schedule is all messed up. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so kind of shifting a little bit to, you know, your job as a fl freelance esports reporter. So what was the day to day like of that? Oh, man, it was it was kind of varied in the beginning, working for general gaming news um, because it, it's so broad. I mean, I was getting phone calls at like three o'clock in the morning to cover things that were happening, you know, on the other side of the, the globe. So it was it was interesting. Um, and of course, you know, at that time, you weren't necessarily being paid for it. So you're putting in all of these hours trying to cover and, and hit these headlines. And uh, it was it was kind of stressful. It was it was a different universe. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, what was your favorite part of the job? Uh, my favorite part was I'd have to say probably just meeting the people. I mean, you make so many cool connections and people and, you know, everyone has a story to tell. And I think that was probably my favorite part of it. Um, but also, too, I'm, I'm a huge fan of not just telling the news. I just want to actually ignite that conversation. So it's, it's always been really, really fun to publish something and then notice that people are talking about it and that, you know, maybe it was a different angle or a different 
perception or something that they never really realized before. And that's, that's what I love the most about writing. So what would you say the hardest part about it is? Obviously, you know, getting paid, building your portfolio is obviously not ideal, but in these more fun entertainment worlds, it kind of comes with the territory a little. <laughs> well, I think too, like from when I started, because it's, it's different now. Um, but when I started, it wasn't taken seriously because I mean, to most people, it, I mean, video games were, you know, they were video games. It was a hobby. It was silly. It wasn't taken, taken seriously. Like the news that was involved with that was like, you know, you know, what's E3 going to produce next year? You know, what game is coming out that we can talk about? It wasn't, it wasn't the way that it is now. And so I feel like for me, I was serious about it. Like I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And so I was putting all of my time and effort into this and getting nearly nothing in return. And it was just, it was soul draining. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is tough. And I kind of, it sounds like you kind of saw that this was going to shift towards more journalism where you're actually more of a day-to-day reporter, like a beat reporter in a traditional sport than just saying, oh, this is a new game and this is what I think about it. Right. I knew that there was going to be a market for it because obviously, especially with esports. And a lot of people were trying to learn about it. A lot of people were trying to get involved in it. And there were a lot of people that were calling themselves writers that weren't necessarily writers. It was just a way to kind of get in. Um, and it was just so chaotic. There was no organization to it. There wasn't there wasn't an air of professionalism that that we have now. So, I mean, it was it was a different world. And it is kind of interesting to kind of be on both sides of the fence with that, you know, starting out with it versus how everything is now. Like it's it's amazing just the growth right so it's like you know you kind of started back you know a decade ago and then more recently with esports insider and you know much more of an established publication so kind of how did everything change from you know the early days to kind of now i I mean obviously i mean people started taking it seriously i people understood that there was money to be made in this industry and the growth wasn't just you know kids in basements playing video games all day it was pretty substantial i mean you were seeing big brands starting to jump into it so working for general gaming news where, you know, it wasn't taken as seriously versus working for a place like Esports Insider, where we were covering all of the business news and everything that was going on behind the scenes, like it was a pretty dramatic shift. And it just shows how fast and how big like this industry is and how how quickly it's all growing. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of I've kind of got onto Esports Insider kind of really early and linked up with Sam. And I remember I had some articles on it early on and where it's come in the last few years. It's, you know, amazing. I think it you know kind of mimics what you're saying that as more mainstream brands and mainstream professionals and just other outlets like the Washington Post and ESPN and some of these more traditional news outlets were taking it seriously and dedicating resources and you know, their social media and all these things that, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. So if you're working on one thing, you can't be working on something else. So I thought that it really just kind of showed how it was growing and, you know, kind of the direction it was taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And it's all about, for me, at least it's all about education at this point, because we're seeing a lot of these non-endemic brands and publications that are trying to move into the space that don't necessarily fully understand it. They're just trying to capitalize on it. Um, So that's kind of where, you know, all of our internal endemic brands and companies like, you know, Esports Insider or the Esports Observer, those are the people that actually know what they're talking about and know what they're doing. And that's going a long way as far as 
kind of building that editorial industry and uh, the news that kind of revolves around it. Absolutely. You know, you see a CNN article talking about e-gaming and you're just like, (laughs) how does that get past an editor? You roll your eyes and you click out of it. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, I'm talking to some students. I'm like, yeah, that's my advice. Like if you have e-sports or, you know, like Apple iPod with a capital P, like (laughs) people that know what's going on are just going to close that email or message. They're not even going to read past that. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like just the little things that that kind of highlights, hey, you know, these people don't necessarily know what they're talking about. And that's kind of where we come in. And I think that's where the education is important. Absolutely. So, you know, what are some hurdles that you've encountered in esports reporting? Oh, God. Uh, to be honest, esports reporting as a whole has been one big hurdle. Um, <laughs> and it, I mean, and it got to the point where I thought about quitting altogether. And I mean, that's when I went to school and, and kind of did something outside of it. And of course, I couldn't stay away. Um, but there, there were so many things. And I think that maybe the experience for me is a little bit different compared to someone trying to get into it now, just because when I started, like I, I said earlier, it wasn't taken seriously. It wasn't a career opportunity. It wasn't something to kind of strive for. Um, but I mean, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So that was something that I put all of my time and effort into. So like, you know, getting paid in exposure or, you know, people not taking you seriously because you weren't a big content creator or you weren't a professional player in whatever game you were covering. There were a lot of hurdles to jump over. Yeah, I mean, realistically, when you think about the people that write for, you know, USA Today and the New York Times, these Knicks and Yankees beat reporters, they've never played basketball or baseball. They're not professional athletes. Like, you know, they're not the ones who are writing the weekly, bi-weekly, whatever it is, columns on these teams. Like, these are trained professionals who are great writers, have, you know, unique insight and passion for the field, but they're by no means former professionals, you know, and I... I think that what was unique about your story is that you kind of come in it from, you know, I'm a great writer and I kind of look at this as from a different perspective. It's not only as a former player's eyes. And I think that it lets you look at the situation and write about it from a totally different perspective. Right. I think it adds a little bit of diversity as far as the voices that are in the industry, too, because, I mean, when it all comes down to it, we all got into this because we love video games. And so it just kind of expands from there. Right. It's like, yeah, like maybe we don't like the same video games, but we all respect the sitting in a basement on a Friday night and maybe not telling everyone that that's what we're doing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So what are your suggestions to make it better? You know, I know that it's kind of changed a little bit, but in my conversations with other writers, they have issues with the players not wanting to talk to them. The team's not helping facilitate the conversations. The league organizers not being as open, especially if a team loses. So. How do you think we can kind of level it up? And I mean, to be frank, the smart players are the ones that are controlling the narrative. So there's the ones that, you know, they're working with the press. They're working with us to tell their story, because obviously if they don't tell it, someone else is going to and it might not be right or it might not be what they want to to be shared, you know. So um, I think there needs to be a little bit more transparency. I think there needs to be a lot more empathy. And I know those are two kind of broad topics that can kind of cover a little bit of everything. but I mean, when you work in an industry like this that's growing, a lot of the people that are in it are in it for the wrong reasons. And I think a lot of the people that are in it because they genuinely have passion for this industry are being overwhelmed and overshadowed because of that. Right. The other people are just making all these huge noises like I work here and here and here in this professional team. But it's like, okay, that's great. But that doesn't necessarily translate to 
being able to do these deals with these teams and interact with these players and really kind of understand their mentality and what they're going through. Right. And I mean, it has to be a mutual benefit, you know, like players are coming in and playing these tournaments and they want that exposure that comes from that. Well, you know, we're the ones that are telling that story. So it's kind of a a back and forth and the ones that are doing it right are the ones that are directly communicating to the press and, and having their stories told. Okay, so you're kind of seeing a little bit more of growth because I know if a player loses, he's going right to the locker room. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He's not ready to reflect on it. And, you know, when someone wins, they're in a great mood. So you're always going to get, you know, a different attitude. And I think what makes traditional sports reporting so great is that you see the loser. You see the players crying after they lose the championship. You know, you see this passion. Yeah, it's great to see how the winners are, but we also kind of want to see the flip side and kind of, how they're taking it. And I think that that's kind of been a part of the story that's been missing so far. I mean, yeah, it's all about the storyline. It's all about the emotion that goes on behind the scenes. And some people just don't want to participate in that and and show that side of it. Yeah. Which I was, I think is a shame. I think that it, it like makes you human. Like, yeah, we lose, like losing is part of competition. Like, you know, if you want every single thing you did, like it wouldn't really be any fun. Right. (laughs) You know, and I think that being able to kind of give a more balanced approach, like, yeah, like I'm this world champion, but I lost. So like, these are the things I could do differently. Like, this is how I'm going to get better. Like, you know, I think that these kind of stories teach you anyway. Yeah. And they're important because there are so many people that want to get into competitions and play in different esports, and they don't necessarily know how to deal with these lessons. Like, it's easy for someone new that's coming in that wants to play, you know, you lose a few times and you give up. And I mean, it's a side of the story that needs to be told because, you know, everyone wins and everyone loses and that's just part of it. Yeah. And like, you know, I've heard of stories of, you know, players just not being able to handle the loss and it just spirals down and it shakes their confidence. And, you know, I think being able to see someone who's at the top of the top lose how they deal with it and how they come back, like that sets, you know, precedent and kind of this is an example of someone who was at the top. Obviously, things happened that they didn't perform, but they still kept going and they learned from it. And it gives you an example of someone who's kind of gone full circle in it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to kind of see how it develops. I do see that a lot of the players want to shy away from things that don't really kind of benefit them. And I think as leagues develop and the need for more of this content where there's just going to be more interest in it and kind of the storylines of the players it's just going to have to evolve the teams are not going to be able to protect and not let certain kids talk that made a mistake or you know raged on the the stage or something you know like these stories are going to have to add a little background to it people Mm -hmm. are going to be really interested in them Yeah. And I mean, the best kind of content is the content that's genuine. And that's what people are looking for. Yeah, because, you know, the passion of losing and just how you take it and like, you know, smashing a chair after you lose. Like, yeah, that may be not the best sport, but at least it shows me that you really care. Like, like, you know, like as a coach or like a fan, like I want to see how much you care. I want to see the passion you put into it. And like, you know, the same thing with like the basketball mentality where it's okay, like I lost the game, but right after the game, I'm going to shoot shots. Like I'm not going to miss that shot again. And I think that if we see that in gamers, that kind of perseverance, that kind of determination, I think it'll help the next generation as well as their peers. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, it's all about 
telling the stories and it's all about educating because I mean, we got to pull in more people to keep the industry going. <laughs> right. There's going to be a next generation. And, you know, if the people that are doing it now at this top level need to kind of set an example so that in 10 years from now, five years from now, the next superstar League of Legends player will have seen how other top players set examples and how they practice and how they deal with wins and losses and, you know, how they grow from it. Exactly. And I mean, like esports right now, yeah, it's growing tremendously, but it's still right now we're just building the foundation of it. So like 10 years from now, it's going to be completely different. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of shifting a little bit. So how is hosting a podcast? You know, why did you create it and how do you usually prepare for an episode? Uh, honestly, I created a podcast because I got so comfortable writing that I I just kind of neglected my voice and my side of it. And also, too, like I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to speaking and I wanted to kind of beat that. So I wanted to take the knowledge that I had and just kind of you know, started talking about it more, bringing on other voices, sharing my own. So that was probably the main reason why I created my own podcast. Um, but of course, then, I mean, you know, it's just kind of a love letter to the gaming industry, too, because I love everything that's going on here. I love video games. And it was just another way to kind of celebrate that. Absolutely. You know, it kind of creates another medium where like, yeah, writing stuff is great, but you can only write so much. You know, no one's going to read a novel every single time. Right. And, you know, honestly, too, like I got to the point where I was burned out. I didn't want to be an esports journalist anymore. I wanted to be a content creator. And I knew that if I wanted to do that, it wasn't just going to be writing news articles. It was going to be creating podcasts and getting into videos and streaming. Like there were so many different avenues that I hadn't really explored yet. And podcasting was just one of the ways to just kind of immediately jump in. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of developing that newscaster role, like maybe not now, but I'm sure one day there'll be, you know, a sports center style for gaming where you have, you know, video journalists who have this background in journalism and are presenting on camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an explosion of interest. And I think that we're going to see a lot more individual people start jumping into the content side of it. Awesome. So, you know, tell us a little about Women in Games. What is it and what is your role as an ambassador for them? So basically, Women in Games is a nonprofit organization um, where we kind of try to create that bridge between gaming and esports and the women that are trying to get into the industry that may not necessarily know how. Um, so we kind of help provide the resources um, and the experience. And we just we try to help other women get into the industry, uh, whether that be coding or in my case, you know, writing and journalism. Um, and I kind of bring an extra dose because there aren't as many people involved in esports in the organization. So I can kind of introduce the editorial side of it and help people that want to get into that kind of, you know, make that opportunity for themselves or connect with the people that can help bring them into the industry. So it's kind of kind of a big educational tool all around. Um, and as an ambassador, you're, you're a voice of the company, you're a voice of the organization. So it's, it's your job to kind of help other people come in and, and realize what they want to do. Awesome. So is it mostly for, you know, women trying to get into it? Or is it also for helping those who are in it and are trying to kind of get, you know, a new job, you know, kind of expand their reach? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, we obviously want to help educate the ones that are outside of the industry looking in and they don't necessarily know where to begin. But I mean, 
to be fair, a lot of people, me included, once upon a time was already in the industry and didn't know what direction to go in. So it's a really good resource to kind of, you know, connect and communicate with other people that may have a little bit more knowledge or may have the connections that you don't have. And, and it's ultimately, it's just a phenomenal resource. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I know teams are, you know, really kind of pushing this, you know, the women gaming and equality in gaming is definitely a big hot button topic on a lot of panels and conferences. And we know, you know, a bunch of orgs have recently announced all girl, you know, all female Valorant teams. And I know of some organizations that are kind of putting some, you know, substantial funds and resources behind creating, you know, equality and women in gaming initiatives where they're really trying to you know, balance this disparity because as you could tell, there's a lot of these unspoken barriers, you know, these kind of glass ceiling doors that are in esports and gaming world where it's just maybe not known. But when you think about the people that are running the teams, people that are running the organizations, the people that are, you know, competing on this high level, for every female, there's 10 males. Mm-hmm. You know, the disparity is huge. I was even thinking about the people that I've featured on my podcast. Like most all of them have been males. And it's just because that's just kind of who predominantly is in it. Like, you know, I'm sure when you look around in a room, it's you and five other guys in the writing room. Most of exactly. the time. You know? <laughs> exactly. and it's just but it's starting to shift, you know, as more organizations like Women in Games. I know the game hers and, you know, a few other nonprofits and you know organizations that are really trying to bridge the gap a little bit so i'm really excited to kind of see what you know where the organization goes and some of the initiatives you guys are working on yeah i mean we have a lot of incredible women that are also ambassadors that are helping out i mean in so many different areas that you wouldn't even think of when you think of careers in gaming and esports it's just it's incredible absolutely so what was it like winning the outstanding individual ambassador award at the you know, awards in 2020? What was like kind of having this recognition from your peers for, you know, the work that you've been doing? You know, I'm still kind of in shock over it. <laughs> um, it's it's the first award I've ever won in the industry and I, I'm just completely honored and blown away by it. Um, and it was funny because like when it was happening, I knew I had been nominated, but, you know, for me at least, like I was like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, it was, it was awesome to be nominated and I was so excited for that, but it was never something that I kind of, thought that I would ever win. Um, and at the time I wasn't working in esports full time. I was still working in pediatric trauma, which is completely unrelated. And the award ceremony was being hosted um, digitally, obviously. And I was scheduled to work that night and I was like, you know what, I can't sleep. So I might as well watch this and ended up winning and was just in complete and total shock. And honestly, I still am. I have the the trophy on the desk right behind me and I have to do a double take every time I see it. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I, I like, yeah, winning awards are great, but when it's by your peers and especially from an organization like this, that's doing such amazing work, it's, you know, has to have an even more special meaning. Yeah. And I mean, helping women get into the industry and kind of I, I, I don't know. I, I've never really seen myself as a leader in the industry because uh, to be frank, you know, ever since starting it, it's, it's kind of been, you know, just kind of playing it by ear. I've been winging it. And <laughs> to get to this point where everything's a little bit more structured and I have that experience under my belt and I'm actually able to to be a resource or to be able to 
point and direct someone a specific way to help them grow a career that they they love like that's that's really important to me and so to be recognized for that and I mean it just in general it's just it's amazing I I don't even know what else to say about it honestly it's just I'm still in shock over it <laughs> well you earned it you know so congrats again from us at the show I'm <laughs> really you. excited to kind of see some of the work that they're doing so what do you think the future of esports media is? You know, more podcasts, more kind of ESPN style infotainment reporting or a mixture of both? I think it's going to be a big mixture of everything. And like I said earlier, I think there are going to be a lot more um, more individual personalities that start doing this. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a little bit less of groups like ESPN did. And I think you're going to see more individuals just becoming general content creators and providing that entertainment. And honestly, too, I think a lot of people are going to start utilizing platforms like TikTok as well, just to create different kinds of content. Interesting. So like a little like, you know, 20 second update of this player just got signed on TikTok. Exactly. Just like really simple, easy to consume news. And I think that people are going to thrive making that. And then other outlets will be like, you know, as cited on this TikTok by Jacob Wolf, this player got signed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I see that. I, I can definitely see that. I think that it kind of coincides with kind of the media personalities from other worlds where, you know, you look at certain people's takes on situations and you follow them for that, as well as for the news that they provide. Yep. And there's so many different ways to produce content now and people are just kind of jumping in and doing it. So I think you're going to see a lot of individuals that are becoming those primary sources. Absolutely. So so what's the future of Ritual Motion? You know, where is the company going? Uh, the future is content, <laughs> which is great for me. Content is king, right? Content is king. Content is is where it's at. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun because we have a lot of things planned. Um, there's going to be a lot more written content, a lot more voices that are going to come into the mix and tell their stories. And, and that's the cool part about Ritual Motion is that we're not necessarily a news site. We're just we're here to share these stories and to to relate to people and generate the conversation around the topics, you know, that are shy away from. So a lot more editorial stuff that you're going to see, a lot more podcasts and videos. Um, we just we have a lot of a lot of stuff planned. So I'm extremely excited for the future. Some conferences and panels like every other organization. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Events. Who knows? <laughs> the door is oh. wide open. Awesome. Well, you know, there's definitely a lot of those on the horizon. And, you know, I have some wonderful individuals that are always looking for these opportunities. So I'm definitely excited to see what the future holds with, you know, the media in general. So I really like to end each episode with my three questions. <laughs> so what's your right? Not, and it's like I haven't asked enough questions, but you know these are the fun ones. So, so what's your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch. You can pick uh, two. You know, we, we, equal opportunity employer here. Okay, well, I I mean I have to say Call of Duty just because that's that's my esport. That's the esport that introduced me to the industry in general. I love Call of Duty, um, but as far as being a spectator, the, my favorite is probably Rocket League. Okay, good. That's awesome. So, what's your favorite game to play? That that would be Call of Duty, hands down. <laughs> Warzone or just like the original ones? I I love multiplayer. Like I like Warzone, but I tend to get burned out on it pretty quickly. Okay, so who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Oh man, my favorite video game character. 
I would have to say my favorite series of all time is Mass Effect. So I think my favorite character would probably have to be Liara. Okay, so we'll give you a bonus question. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Favorite Pokemon is probably Dragonite. Okay, I see that. That's definitely a cute one. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, Zeno, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. So as of right now, you can find me primarily on Twitter. You can find me at CKM Writes, And you can also follow Ritual Motion at Ritual underscore Motion. Awesome. So, you know, everyone check her out. She's got some amazing content and we're really excited to see some of the unique topics that Ritual Motion starts to cover in the coming weeks and months. And, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin JESQ, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.